0: You know, when you get your first big kid job out of college, you're just so eager, you're so ready, and you're like, I'm willing to do whatever to, you know, keep this job and move my way up, you know what I'm saying? And that was my mentality at the time, and I remember it was, it was so cold this one day, it was like snowing really bad in New York, and... I had ended up getting some Tims because I'm like, it's cold. I need something to, you know, wear to work. And it was like a Friday. So I had ended up wearing it with jeans and like a sweater or whatever. And I just remember this girl on my team was like, Why are you wearing those? Those are so ghetto. And she said it so loud, like, I swear everybody in my pod heard it and I just didn't know what to say. And i was just like what and then she just kind of laughed it off and i was like oh okay but i remember when she said that there was only one other black girl on my team she literally looked at me we looked at each other and we both were like did she just and did we and we were like okay and we didn't say anything we just kind of like you know went about our business but i didn't end up wearing my Tims again and i'm just like looking back on it now i'm like dang i wish i would have said something i wish i would have i don't know stood up for myself but you know, again, we're fresh out of college. We're just eager to be there. It's also, as a young adult, you're trying to learn how to navigate corporate America and they don't teach you about how to navigate corporate America with microaggressions.
1: Yo, what up, what up? Dímelo mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Quinto Uedas podcast brought to you by Plural. right now it's your boy, Pavel, bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Now, the clip you just heard in the intro was from this week's episode with our special guest, Bianca. Before we get into the full episode, let me give you a quick little bio on Bianca. So Bianca is a Detroit-made creative entrepreneur and founder of Yo Soy Afro Latina, the first e-commerce store to highlight the people, culture, and experiences of Afro Latinas. Bianca juggles her nine to five working in social media marketing while also managing her lifestyle brand that she launched back in 2017. With her passion, industry knowledge, and supportive social community, Bianca was able to turn this passion project into a scalable business with a variety of apparel and home good products. Bianca's drive, passion, and warmth is what makes her relatable. And her deep knowledge in social media and building a brand is what leave audiences feeling inspired and empowered. She said in this episode, she feels most empowered when her community feels empowered. All right, now that you know a little bit more about Bianca, let me give one more heads up before we get into the episode. Wherever you are listening to this episode, please do us a favor, like, comment, share, subscribe. If you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts specifically, there is an option to leave a review. Please do us a favor and leave a review. Let us know what you like, what we can improve on, because your feedback is very important, and your rating and feedback will help these stories get heard by more people. All right. With that said, let's get into the episode. All right. We're recording now. Hold on. All right. So we were just talking about how you said you were flattered to be on the podcast. And for me, I'm just like, yo, what? Like, I'm flattered to have you (laughs) on the podcast. Like, this is crazy. And you were even saying that, well, I was saying that I first heard about your brand, Yo Soy Afro Latina. Um, I didn't know what brand was behind the shirt that I saw, but I saw the shirt and I was like, yo, that is dope. And it was the, <laughs> uh, hey, Alexa, can you play luck a few bucks? Something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what I was going to say is that I thought the shirt was so dope. Well, one, just off of the phrase and just off of the, the mood that that song yeah. is. <laughs> but also when I looked at it and I was like, oh, who makes this shirt? Oh, yo soy Afro-Latina. And when you, when you even hear the word Latina, Knuck mm-hmm. if you buck isn't the first thing that you typically think of you know what i mean yeah and i think it's this beautiful message around like yo just because i'm latina doesn't mean like because that that shirt could have easily said yo alexa play mark anthony you know what i mean but
0: right yeah or celia cruz or in, something
1: exactly but you brought in mm-hmm. that sense of like yo like i don't just listen to spanish music if i do, <laughs> do that right and some of your right. other shirts bring out that element as well like there was another one that was like Frida Kahlo, um, and a couple Mm -hmm. other things, but it was this mix of like both sides. I was like, yo, this brand is dope.
0: Yay. Oh, thank you so much. I really didn't expect that Nook If You to do numbers. Like I really did not. I just... I feel like I I had a Google, a Google home at the time. So I literally was like, before I was getting ready for work, you know, I'd be like, hey, Google, play Nuck If You Bug. I don't know why, because like, obviously the song has been around for years, but like for this particular year, I think it was like 2018 or maybe 2019, I just was listening to it on repeat. And so then I was like trying to think of, you know, different t-shirt ideas and like phrases that I could say. And it just came to me. I was like, you know what, let's just try it. I don't know if my community who was rocking with yosoy at the time, cause it was really like Dominican heavy, like Dominican American heavy. Um, and, you know, I hadn't really branched into like, like tapping into my black American roots when it came to our t-shirt designs yet. So that was like a, the intro, the nuck a few was like the intro to that. So I was kind of nervous that like people would be like, what, what kind of t-shirt is this? Like, I don't get it, you know? But it was just really cool to hear that, you know, people relate and like, regardless of what culture, even I've had white people, you know, buy the t-shirt and be like, oh my God, I love that song. And I'm, you know, to me, I'm like, how do you know that song, you know? but then I just realized it's a part of the culture, regardless of like where you come from or what language you speak. Like, and like you said, it's just a vibe. It's an energy, you know, if you know the song, you know.
1: Um, It's so funny because you mentioned that you were getting ready for work and you said, yo, Alexa, play this song. What (laughs) happened at work that you were just like, yo, I gotta.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was like good vibes though. I promise. Like (laughs) (laughs) That year that I was listening to the song, I was actually trying to level up in my career. I had, you know, been working at advertising for a few years and then I pivoted to social media marketing and I was at this job for like a year and a half, but I was really trying to like make more money and just like, you know, really elevate in my career. So I was listening to songs that just like hype me up before my interviews, whether it be like phone interviews or you know, second round interviews, whatever. And um, I was just, yeah, I was just trying to put on something that would give me really hype and make me feel good. And for some reason, that song to this day, like, I don't care where I'm at. If I hear it, it's gonna, it's gonna put me in a hype mood.
1: I love that. That's the <laughs> same way I feel about uh swag surfing. Whenever that song comes yeah. on, yo, <laughs> not only do I get hype, but like, it's, Yo, that shit will end any sort of argument that's happening in the moment. Everybody just gets together, starts hugging, (laughs) and just starts vibe. Yo, it's it's such a vibe. I love it. It's a
0: vibe. Yes, it really is. So, yeah, I just, I kind of just created the t-shirt just because, and even to this day, people are like, I I was here in Houston, actually. I wore it randomly a couple months ago, and this guy did a double take and was like, I really like your t-shirt. I was like, oh, shoot, thank you. So... I don't know. I feel like there's certain songs, like I said, regardless of what language you speak, where you come from, if you know the song, you know the vibe, you know the energy, it's just going to resonate. So I guess I was onto to something back then. I don't know, but it still hits today. So that's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I definitely want to get into just like the moment when you launch Yo Soy Afro-Latina, um, but there's so, many, there's so many things to unpack even before that, you know what I mean? Like mm. where you grew up, like embracing all these different parts of your identity. So let's start where I typically start, um, just mm-hmm. the, the word authenticity, right? It's such a buzzword. And um, I feel like a lot of us like say talk about it so openly, but we don't really discuss like what it means to us. You know, what people mm. tell you to be your authentic self or when you hear that word, like what comes to mind for you?
0: Um, I truly just think about like embracing who you are, like embracing every part of you, even if you feel weird or you feel out of place, like just embracing that, you know, because I feel like I've recognized, especially moving away from home and living in different cities, like, Everybody's different. You know, we all have our backgrounds, our struggles, our stories. So it's just kind of like this is my experience. Either you're going to take it or you're not, you know. And I just decided to like embrace my experiences. I feel like I spent a majority of my upbringing as a child just so confused, especially coming from um, you know, an intersection like my mom, I'm technically biracial cuz my mom is white uh, Mexican, but you know, I just growing up in A household where it was two cultures that are very different but had some similarities to me I was you know a bit confused because I didn't see myself when I went to school I didn't see other you know Afro-Latina girls or guys you know and I didn't even when I went to like my best friend's home there were some similarities because you know maybe they were black and you know we could bond over certain holidays or dishes or songs. But at the same time, I didn't see my Latin roots. You know what I mean? So I just always felt a little out of place. And then when I got older, I was just like, you know what? Like there's probably so many girls who are out there in the world that are like you that felt out of place because they were at this intersectionality. And instead of trying to mold and bend to fit these spaces that you, you know, experience, just be yourself. Just be authentic to who you are, what you've experienced and Regardless, somebody is going to be able to relate to you. It may not be the whole room, but one person is going to relate to your story. So you might as well just own it, you know. And that's kind of what I did. I was just like, I'm just gonna own it, whether you like it or not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm sure, I'm sure that didn't come overnight, right? You didn't just oh my god, no. In (laughs) in second grade, we just like, oh, here I am, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) tell me about some of those early years, especially like you grew up in Detroit, right? Like, yeah. What What was that like? and you just exploring that duality of your identity.
0: Yeah, definitely. So i like to preface, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, but Detroit is oh. always going to be home to me just because, Um. Mm. so I grew up in the suburbs, but it was 20 minutes from the city. And my both of my parents are from Detroit proper. And, you know, I spent a lot of time on the west side, southwest of Detroit, because that's where my cousins were. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you can relate coming from Latino culture, family is everything. So growing up, my friends, that was my cousins. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I would just, I would go over there and that was my experiences like hanging out with my cousins. Those were my best friends. So Detroit, the city itself always has a special place in my heart because you know, I spent so much time there, but I also went to school in the suburbs and, you know, made friends there as well. So it was just such a juxtaposition. You could go from the suburbs, where it's predominantly white, then go to the west side of Detroit, where it's predominantly black, and then go to southwest Detroit, which is predominantly Mexican. So it was just like such different environments, you know what I'm saying? It was um, I on, could, I couldn't explain it as a child, but I could see that things look different, people talk different, and regardless of where I was, I just felt different in every space, even though I knew it was home, I just felt like, you know, there was a part of me that wasn't represented in each community, you know what I'm saying, Um, but overall, like, growing up in in Detroit, I loved it, I loved my experiences, Um, you know, I loved growing up with my cousins, I have really fond experiences of that, but you know, I also remember, like I said, just kind of feeling confused a little bit, Um, you know, but overall, I feel like it was, Detroit is such a, it's a city with so much history. It's so rich in history, Um, and I feel like I understand that more as I get older, but it's like, I have these memories as a child, and I'm like, oh I wonder why this happened or I wonder why you know southwest Detroit was so segregated from the west side you know Mexicans Uh, versus black like why was that segregation there you know and then I get older and I do research and I'm like oh okay because of the race relations back in like the 60s or 70s or whatever um so
1: no that that's really interesting I mean I don't know that much about Detroit I've never been I'd love to go I mean I'd love to go to to all the states but uh But I didn't even know that there was a big Mexican population in Detroit. That's eye-opening to me, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and it's just like you learn about that, especially with the migration. Like um, a lot of my mom's side of the family, she's Mexican-American, but a lot of her family comes from Texas. And I guess during the Great Migration, um, a lot of you know Texans or Mexican-Americans were going up to Detroit just because of the auto industry. And it was really booming in like the 1950s and 60s. So they went up there for opportunity um yeah. so you know it's just interesting because it's like you don't realize it and a lot of people don't realize they're like wait there's latinos in detroit and it's like yeah <laughs> there's a ton of us and there's also a ton of puerto ricans too so yeah it's, it's interesting yes i'm telling you we we out there
1: <laughs> that's crazy let me find out all the all the, all the hot spots when covid open up is in detroit
0: right <laughs> well let me know i can hook you up <laughs>
1: that's really interesting so i mean all right so there you are growing up in in detroit or like the the suburbs of detroit you're feeling out of place in many ways and
0: you know Mm -hmm. i know
1: you went to obviously we're going to get into the corporate america space and your experience there but you also went to michigan which is um like Mm -hmm. a really really big school and it's and it's easy to get Mm -hmm. lost in a big school i think um in a school that is like a a pmi right predominantly white institution as well like Yep. Was it difficult for you to to fit in in Detroit, find your own, I'm sorry, not in Detroit, but in, in, in college and, and find your community? And what was that like, just experience wise?
0: Yeah, um, I definitely think, you know, college was the place where I, I guess, not explored, but I feel like I was just coming into myself as like a young woman. Um, my first year of college, I actually went to a a private school. It's called Albion College. It's just, super, super small liberal arts school, and it's in Elbia, Michigan, which is basically middle of nowhere, but um, it was an interesting experience because, I don't know, I just felt like so out of place, like super, super out of place. I was like one of 20 people of color, like on campus, and I say people of color because it was like 10 Black people, about three, you know, Asian people from maybe India or whatever, and then a handful of others who were of color to some extent. So that was really shocking for me. And I just remember feeling like, just so out of place, just feeling like everything I did was just being watched. I just felt like people couldn't relate, they couldn't understand, they were just, you know, they were white kids from the west side of of Michigan. So it's just like, you're coming, they're coming from a bubble, and I'm coming from I guess my bubble and my bubble is like inner city so to me i was just like so foreign to them and they were so foreign to me you know what i'm saying yeah. um so that was that was a struggle and i ended up leaving after my first year and that's when i transferred to the university of michigan and my hope was to go to the main campus because, similar to, you know, like a Pace or um, you know Northwestern or these other big schools, they have satellite campuses. So I ended up um, transferring to the University of Michigan Dearborn, hoping to go to the main campus in Ann Arbor but you know because of finances i'm the first generation to go to college it was just a struggle for me so i ended up staying at the satellite campus and i think that was probably perfect because it's the smaller campus versus like the main university um so i was really able to you know make friends and i feel like i was really I think that was probably the best experience to go to a big university but be at their satellite campus because I was super close out um, to Detroit. Dearborn is about ten minutes out from the city. So I was able to go into Detroit a lot um you know, hang out with my friends, hang out with family, really be immersed in my culture, learn about the city. But then I was also able to be on campus and you know make friends and, just learned so much so yeah it was a it was a really interesting experience i feel like college was very transformative that's also when i did like the big chop with my hair so i was just like really yeah yeah
1: what big (laughs) chop did you do what did you what did you go from to
0: so i always had straight hair well I, I should say relaxed, straight hair. My hair is not naturally straight, it's curly. Um, but my mom, like I mentioned, because she's Mexican-American, her hair is curly, but it's not as coarse as mine. So she always, you know, relaxed my hair for a majority of my life. So when I got to college and I was making friends and especially, you know, within the black community, I was part of BSA and all that. And I just got the courage to cut my hair. So my hair was down my back. And I grew it out enough to have like an inch of new growth. And I ended up going to the salon in Detroit. And I was like, you could just cut it all off. So I just chopped my hair off and basically had like a bald little curly headed fro for a minute. But that was like, you know, the beginning of my journey to really embracing like who I was and understanding like, you know, what it means to be Afro Latino, what it means to be natural, what it means to be a Black woman. Like I was just exploring all of that. So it was really transformative, for sure.
1: It's interesting, because my friend, who who's who I record an episode with, I haven't published it yet, but he had an experience that's similar, w- having to do with hair, but mm-hmm. he went in the opposite direction, which I think is like a really interesting comparison, which I love to get into. He, mm-hmm. we, we both went to school in, uh, in Boston, Northeastern University, okay. and it's the same thing. It's like a predominantly white institution. Um, and he had like, he had very long braids going into oh, school. Right. You know, he's rocking the Jordans, he was doing all this, had the earrings on. And when he stepped foot into campus, he felt like, yo, nobody looks like me, all of this kind of stuff, right? And yeah. he looked around and he was like, damn, yo, if I want to like actually survive here, if I want to like be all, all these people competition wise to get the best internship, et cetera, he was like, F- fuck it! I'm gonna just cut. I'm gonna just cut my hair. So he mm-hmm. unrolled his braids, cut the whole fro off, and he just got like a little yeah. low cut, like I got. Um, oh, and it's wow. interesting. Yeah, right. Like, talk about the just like being in the in that moment and being like, mm-hmm. okay, what I gotta do to survive here? Oh, I'm gonna just cut this <laughs> off. Cool. But it's interesting because right. you went in the opposite direction. I mean, you cut it off, but it was in, it was with the goal of growing out your hair naturally.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I definitely, you know, and I was on YouTube too at the time. So I was looking at natural hair transitions and I saw like, okay, there's all these girls that kind of look like me. Maybe they're mixed, maybe they're not, but they've had the same struggle of, you know, trying to assimilate in these predominantly white communities. So they would straighten their hair. They would relax their hair. They would do all these things. And then they cut it and I saw how quickly their hair grew. So I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to cut it too. And especially at that time, like, you know, I was at uh, University of Michigan-Dearborn. So I was technically staying with my mom and like going into campus. So in my head, I was just like, well, it's not like I'm, you know, it's not like I'm going anywhere really. I'm just going to campus and I'm at home. So if I feel like I look crazy, I just won't leave the house, you know? But truly, I felt empowered, we'll if anything. I was dead ass. I was just like, I'm not going to leave if <laughs> I look crazy. But then I was just like, you know what? Well, I had to leave because I had a little job at the time. So um, there was that. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I just felt really empowered. I was so tired of trying to assimilate that I was just like, I'm going to get it regardless. Like I'm going to cut my hair if they don't like it. I really don't care. Like, you know,
1: talk to me about trying to assimilate. Like, when did that start? I remember you mentioning that at an early point, like you felt out of place, Mm -hmm. but you know, some of us may feel out of place, but they just go along with it. Right. Did you feel out of place and start to change yourself in certain ways? And and you mentioned the word assimilate. Like, how did you, how did you, Mm -hmm. how, and when did you start to assimilate or try to assimilate?
0: yeah, I feel like I tried to assimilate starting in like um, middle school, maybe like probably like sixth, seventh grade, but I really feel like it was like seventh. Um, but I remember oh. like the first day of sixth grade, like, you know, going to rainbows, getting my outfit. I had Air Force one. I felt like I looked so cute. I, I'm sure I have a picture somewhere. And I was like, I'm gonna look so fly. And, you know, I did look fly, but I noticed that a lot of the girls, because it was predominantly white, a lot of the girls just kind of looked at me and, like, judged me, and I don't know, they would just be, like, don't wear, they would say crazy things. Obviously, this was early 2000s, so, you know, being politically correct was not a thing back then, so, you know, calling my braids ghetto, it was just, like, that really, I would, I guess it hurt me, but more so, I was just, like, dang, I thought my braids were cool because Alicia Keys had them at the time, so, like, why am I not cool? But it, instead I was, you know, told that they were was too much. It was inappropriate. So that's when I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna start buying what they buy and I'm going to start dressing how they dressed. Um, not realizing that, you know, I was trying to fit in and, you know, basically just trying to, I guess, make the experience easier for me, you know, not I I don't know. I feel like I really, I didn't realize what I was doing just because I was a kid. You know what I mean? I was just trying to fit in. But now looking back, I just like, dang, I wish somebody would have told me like, girl, you don't need to do that. Like be yourself. You know, at the end of the day, they want to look like you anyway. So just do what's best for you, you know? But at the time I was just, as we are as kids, you're just so consumed with like what your friends are doing and what the cool kids are doing and how to fit in. So, you know, that's when I kind of started, but, and I feel like that was, my journey from like middle school high school a little bit as well but I don't know I was just it was a weird time I guess but uh yeah I'm I'm glad that I had that phase in as a young adult like as a kid versus you know as an adult because um I feel like now is not the time to be assimilating you know
1: yeah no 100 percent. and you know that experience was normal I mean I think biologically, we all, even like prehistoric times, like we all just are trying to be part of a tribe, trying to be part of a group Um, and a lot of times like for safety, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so unfortunate that you had that experience, which, you know, these days we may call microaggressions or or racism, a little Mm -hmm. bit of both,
0: (laughs) but (laughs)
1: um, getting it's, you know, you have that experience, but then fast forward when you're in college and it seems like maybe you had a moment where you were just like, maybe that w- was you cutting your hair the moment for you where you started to more so embrace, you know, who you were, et cetera. And if so, yeah. like what what happened there that just made you chop off your hair? Like, where'd you, where'd you get that sudden boost of confidence from?
0: Um, well, I think a lot of it came from my homegirl who's my best friend right now. Her name's Khadijah. I met her on um, my senior year. I, no, maybe it was like my second semester of junior year, um, and she had natural hair at the time. And you know, going natural was not really popular like it is now. So uh, when I saw her in class, I was like, "Oh my god, I love her twist out!" You know. So I'm just like watching her. I'm like, <laughs> "Hey girl, I love your hair." And um, she was just telling me how she, you know, her journey and how she transitioned to becoming natural as well. And you know, we started hanging out and becoming friends. And she really empowered me. Honestly, she was just like, you could do it, girl, it's gonna grow back. Like, if you don't like it, you could do a protective style. So I was like, okay, like, let me try it. Um, And I feel like chopping it off, I really didn't, I didn't like my hair, not gonna lie. Like, I just, I was not used to, I was not, I was never used to having short hair. And like, let me preface, because like I mentioned, my mom is Mexican. So the Latino Latino culture was, um, you know, really prevalent in the household. And when I was young, having good hair and especially having like presentable looking hair was just such a thing. So I had never, ever had short hair. Like I've always had long hair and long straight hair at that. So when I cut it, I just felt like I looked so, and I hate to say ugly, but that's literally how I felt. I just was not used to seeing myself like that. And I just had to educate myself, you know, and luckily at the time, Um, like I mentioned YouTube was a huge resource for me I also use Pinterest so as ugly as I felt I also was like you know I'm not going back to relaxing my hair because I realized it took it took so much time for me to basically build up this courage and to cut it and I was like if I go back to doing what I once was doing like what's the point you know what I mean it's just it's just negating all that hard work that I did so I just kind of yeah. stuck it out. I didn't take as many pictures during that time because I did not feel <sighs> cute. <laughs>
1: I get that. But, I get
0: that. you know, it was, um, to me, it was really important that I learned how to do my hair naturally versus learning how to do my hair that was, you know, appeasing to others. I just, I was so tired of doing that. I had already done it from the age of four to like, twenty I think it was twenty two when I did like the the big chop. So I was just tired. I was like, you know what? Um we're gonna learn how to love ourselves and we're gonna learn how to love our hair and
1: yeah. Kind of
0: yeah.
1: I love that. Yo, and you use the word presentable.
0: Mm. Like that yes. is such
1: a simple yet powerful word. Cause yeah. I think, yeah, like there are certain expectations that I think culturally we're told that we have to have in order to be presentable. And I think presentable like really ties into the word professional as well. You know what I mean? Like well-kept and like all these kind of things. Um, Mm -hmm. And like for, for, for men, like I I remember growing up, like my grandfather would tell me to, to shave. He would be like, do you see CEOs with beards? Do you see Mm. presidents with beards? Do you see them with tattoos and all those kind of things? And uh, I understand what he was trying to do. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to protect Mm -hmm. me from certain people's, Um, negative perceptions of me but at the same time like in many ways he was he was trying to tell me to be whiter you know what I mean because the people he was comparing me to you know they were successful people but like they're all white and uh white old men and um Mm -hmm. it's I think it's interesting too like people's journeys like growing up versus like in college you know and then once you get into corporate America, I feel like there's even more pressure on you, right? Because
0: you right. know, what you
1: do, how you show up, how you speak, it not only impacts people's perception of you, but it can impact the yeah. bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: and 100%. for a lot of us that
1: come from like potentially humble beginnings and we're not only supporting ourselves but our family, like, there's there's a different level of pressure that comes with yeah. like, do I continue being myself or do I go back to assimilating until I feel comfortable? Like what was that thought yeah. process for you once you like back in the day, once you really started working?
0: Um. Yeah, I feel like I definitely had that, that pressure on me. You know, I feel like it was internal pressure, pressure from my yeah. parents. Um, and then just like, like you said, they would, they would say certain comments to you as children. Like, you know, you don't see COs or presidents with beards and then you get older and you're like, well, dang, like this is what my grandpa said. Like, do I need to do this? Should I not? Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it was too much. And I remember when I started my career in advertising in New York, well, when I was in New York, so I already felt like, okay, I felt a little comfortable, you know, cause the city is already naturally mixed. You have so many ethnicities and cultures. Mm-hmm. So I felt a little comfortable, but you know, advertising is, was at the time um, predominantly white. So my, you know, teeny little fro, um, it definitely stuck out and I felt uncomfortable and I also felt uncomfortable because I was still learning how to do my hair. I was still learning how to like, you know, make it look cute and just understanding the texture, you know, cause there's also like texturism within the hair community. So it was just a lot. And, um, you know, nobody really said anything. Nobody said that my hair was unpresentable or anything like that. I feel like if anything, I got a lot of compliments, you know, people saying, oh, your curls are so cute. Um, and I think that definitely empowered me to keep going, but at the same time, as much as I was getting compliments, I also saw that, like, you know, I wasn't making friends either. Like, nobody was trying to, you know, nobody was trying to talk to me and be like, oh, how how's it going? Where do you come from? Like, you know outside of my immediate team nobody was trying to do that so um unless they were like another black kid like myself and that was far and you know far and few in between at the at the time so oh
1: you find another it, black person at work and you two are best right. friends yo best, best friends.
0: friends right <laughs> yeah. y'all go y'all go back according to yeah, everybody yeah. else <laughs> so yeah it was um it was an interesting time, and yeah, it was just I uh, I don't know. I think, like I said, being in New York, it really helped because the work environment in New York was already like ten steps ahead of like the work culture and the work environment in Detroit. um prior to starting my career in advertising, I had done some work for the Detroit newspapers. Um I worked in advertising there, and I also did customer service, so I had kind of experience. What it was like working, you know, in Detroit in that whole environment, and what I picked up was, you know, it's predominantly white. That's one, and it was also predominantly older. So there was just all these microaggressions I felt like from like the '70s and the '80s that people were trying to push onto us, and I just I was not having it. I didn't like it. You know, there were certain dress codes, including your hair that had to be presentable in quotes, Um, and I wasn't feeling it. So when I got to New York and I didn't necessarily feel that pressure, that's when I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep rocking this. People say it's cute. Yeah, I'm not really making friends, but like, they're not telling me how to present myself and like, you know, that's all I really cared about. I was not trying to change my outer appearance for anybody else, you know?
1: That, that's wild yeah i mean it's interesting you mentioning just like the geographical differences right like mm-hmm. and even like the industries as well like i work in advertising you know to this day i never worked on the agency side like but i was always on the sales side so like previously i was at facebook i'm at tiktok okay, um, got you. um but yeah i mean whenever i got those agency meetings uh it, it's all like people my age you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh there's like a different level of like even we even if we're from different backgrounds like you know there's some like just timely things that we could probably relate to but going back to just even your experience in Detroit you know obviously you don't have to name where you worked or what anything but like Mm -hmm. were there certain like experiences that um, certain microaggressions that stood out to you as far as like maybe you didn't realize that it was a microaggression at the time but looking back at it you're like damn did they really say that
0: yeah I feel like I don't know if it was necessarily like things that they said I mean I just remember the looks you know what I mean it was just like I will wear certain things even if it was a cardigan and like granted I'm young so I'm not gonna wear some big old oversized cardigan you know what I'm saying like it's gonna be cute like yeah I'm not gonna have my you know my chest or whatever out but like it's going to be a fitted cardigan because I'm cute you know and I just remember this old, um, I shouldn't say old, but this older woman, she just would always look at me as if I, you know, I don't know, just look at me crazy, and I just remember those looks, because it's, it's just, you never forget that look, that look of feeling like, okay, I'm being judged, and I feel very uncomfortable, you know what I mean, or I feel like an outcast, and I just remember those looks all the time, and yeah, just small microaggressions, like, I don't know, I just it's just weird. And I just wish I had, looking back on it now, I wish I had the language and the, the knowledge to be like, yo, this is kind of racist, yeah. or this is a microaggression, like, you know what I mean? And I didn't have that knowledge or the language at the time. So I kind of just let it go. Um, and I feel like when it did get bad, I would just like cry to my mom and just be like, I can't do this. I don't like it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was just, it was such a weird time, but I'm just glad that, you know, all those experiences have, as much as they were uncomfortable, it's taught me something, and I feel like I've been able to take it with me, and just kind of empower myself to be like, you don't ever want anybody to have that experience, so continue to, like, do what you're doing, continue to be yourself, because there's other girls who Maybe they're in Iowa and they feel the same way where they're like, yeah, you know, I wear my hair in and braids. And I keep getting looked at, you know, they keep gawking at me like, what the heck, you know? And um, I just, I don't want other people to experience that because it really does hurt, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, it's wild too. Cause sometimes like the looks that people give you hurt more than what they even say to you, you know, like.
0: They really do. Well, th- yeah.
1: there was this other guest that I had where, um You know she described her body as like you know being curvier than you know i don 't know the average whatever for a long time you know she would just wear you know regular outfits that anyone else would wear, but she would mm-hmm. get certain looks and it and it forced her to start buying blazers to start buying like long cardigans to buy yeah. anything that would literally cover her butt just because of the looks that um she would get from people right and to your to yeah. to your experience like no one would say anything but it's just those looks and I forget who said this, but um, oh, it's a prominent black figure. And I can't remember the person's name, but they said like, you may not remember what they said, but you always remember how, how they made you feel. And Ooh,
0: yes, that, that's a good that, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I wish I came up. I feel with it. like,
0: <laughs> no, I feel like that's spot on. Cause like, even when you asked earlier, like, you know, was there anybody or any like company like that has said something and it's just like, I mean, I really cannot think of, I I can think of one crazy thing that has been said to me when I was um, working in advertising in New York, but for the most part, I feel like it's just like you, like you said, you just remember feeling uncomfortable. You don't necessarily know if they said anything crazy or wild, but you know that they were judging you, you know that they were, you know, Pushing these negative perceptions onto you. Either way, the vibe wasn't right. You know what I'm saying? And you will always remember when the vibe is not right.
1: You will always remember when the vibe is that that's a bar <laughs> right there.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> <And>
1: can't. <laughs> <guess> it's true. <laughs> um, so so there you are though, like in this space, you know, and Detroit was like maybe an outlier compared to your experience in New York. Like things were things were much better, but. But either way, right? You said you said you met you you had some sort of things in New York as well, and mm-hmm. you know, in that experience, did you find yourself? How did how did you like? How did you react to some of those experiences? Did you find yourself going back and reverting to maybe when you were middle school and you were like, all right, well, this is awkward, this is uncomfortable. Let me assimilate a little bit more. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like what Unfortunately- was that like? Yeah, unfortunately I did when I first got to New York. Because, I mean, it was also my first, you know, big girl job out of college. So, And that's that's all of us,
1: by the way. Like, I don't want you to feel bad for that. Like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: we all go through that
1: phase. You know what I mean? So, Right. And it's just like,
0: you know, when you get your first big kid job out of college, you're just so Mm -hmm. eager. You're so ready. And you're like, I'm willing to do whatever to you know, keep this job and move my way up, you know what I'm saying, and that was my mentality at the time, and I remember it was, it was so cold this one day, it was, like, snowing really bad in New York, and I had ended up getting some Tim's, because I'm, like, it's cold, I need something to, you know, wear to work, and it was, like, a Friday, so I had ended up wearing it with jeans and, like, a sweater or whatever, and I just remember this girl on my team was, like, why are you wearing those? Those are so ghetto. And she said it so loud. Like, I swear, everybody in my pod heard it. And I just didn't know what to say. And I was just like, what? And then she just kind of laughed it off. And I was like, okay. But I remember when she said that there was only one other black girl on my team. She literally looked at me, we looked at each other. And we both were like, did she just? And did we? And we were like, okay, and we didn't say anything. We just kind of like you know, went about our business, but I didn't end up wearing my Tims again. And I'm just like, looking back on it now, I'm like, dang, I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have, I don't know, stood up for myself, but, you know, again, we're fresh out of college. We're just eager to be there. It's also as a young adult, you're trying to learn how to navigate corporate America and they don't teach you about how to navigate corporate America with microaggressions. So like that was... You know, that was confusing, but, um, yeah, that, that was crazy. And I feel like I definitely never wore them again to, to work, um, at that particular job. I did not, but yeah, ever since then, I was just like, oh, wow, this is wild. But once I left advertising, I tell you my whole perspective changed. I was just like, I'm not conforming. I'm not assimilating no more. Like I'm going to be me. That's who you hired from jump. That's what you're going to get, you know? Um, and yeah, I haven't looked back since because I'm just, I'm just tired of it. You know, I feel like we shouldn't have to assimilate. It's not fair. They don't, white people don't do that. Why do we have to do that?
1: Yeah. And yeah, I, yo, a hundred percent. And <laughs> I, I think that white people don't do it because they don't feel the need to, you know what I mean? Like mm. we're doing that because we want to fit in with the majority yeah. in many ways, right? Like Yo, I used to assign myself homework, legit homework on the weekends. Like instead of watching Insecure, I would watch Riverdale. I legit saw like oh, three no. seasons of Riverdale. You and were what you were
0: trying to keep up with the combo at work, huh? Hell
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, let's yeah. let's be real. Like to some extent, like we all got the same skills in our positions. Yes. You know what I mean? Like analysts, they all could do Excel for for example, mm-hmm. right? Like how we really advance in corporate America is by making relationships with not only our peers, but executives. And Mm-hmm. If the executive was talking about Riverdale, you best believe I'm gonna I'm a try to figure out what the hell Riverdale is and why it's so cool and all this shit. Like, instead right. of listening to Bad Bunny or Jay Z, I would listen to Bruce Springsteen because that was the upcoming concert coming up.
0: Oh my god, taking yes. clients out too! Yeah.
1: yeah, I actually like, went
0: to his concert too. LOL, and I remember being <laughs> like, Let me listen to a couple of his songs. <laughs> yes.
1: But there's, there's it like, there's not necessarily, and like, I want to be clear, right? Like there's nothing wrong with like expanding your preferences and like genres Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. But like many of us are forcing ourselves to do this and trying it, Mm -hmm. not liking it and still doing it just to. Meet the standard of being accepted in certain places. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And like white people, they don't have to listen to Nucky if you buck. They don't have to watch Insecure because they're the majority. Why would they try Mm -hmm. to acclimate to the minority? You know what I mean?
0: Right. Um, That's real. That's real.
1: It's it's unfortunate, but like that—that's kind of like what it is. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. At least that's what it. I feel like that's what it was, you know, as we were coming up in the game, but I feel like I've noticed a shift recently where, you know, the white people, I shouldn't say the white people, but yeah, I guess the white people, at, um, you know, at work, I can tell that they're trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out like, okay, what is Insecure about? Like, you know, what are they talking about on Twitter? Or, you know, why is Usher Usher trending? Because he had your money or whatever it may be you know you know I I've, I've noticed that they're trying to educate themselves a bit more on you know what's popular in our community and our culture and I think it's I think it's interesting because like you said it's not like you're saying you know don't open yourself up to new genres and experiences and culture but it's just like remember that you can do that and still be authentic to yourself you know what I mean like I can listen to Bruce Springsteen, you know, a couple bops or two, but I could still also (laughs) love Primark, you know, I could do that, Um, and I think it's just important that, like, you know, I I don't know, I guess it's just important that we remember we don't need to lose ourselves when exploring other things, and I feel like that's something that I didn't necessarily know or understand I I could do, um, you know, as I was coming up in my career, and as I was transitioning um you know with my natural hair journey and just exploring my identity like i didn't realize that at the time so you know
1: yeah nah i i could relate to that on so many levels and and i'm wondering too like was was part of your experience just in life with you know feeling like an outsider not necessarily fitting in and then you know slowly finding your identity i'm assuming part of you and like finding your identity embracing all of who you are, Um, I'm assuming a part of you wanted to like, look for like-minded people, people that look like you Mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously create a brand for them. Like, was that the birth of Yo Soy Afro Latina?
0: Yeah, basically um, I created Yo Soy Afro Latina back in 2017. I originally got the ideal in 2016 um, and that was after me living in New York for like a year and a half. And then I moved to LA because I was working in advertising at the time and I got an opportunity to come to LA. So I moved there. But when I moved to LA, like, you know, I only had one friend back in LA at the time. Like a lot of people were still, you know, on the East Coast or the Midwest. So I really didn't know a lot of people. Um, So I spent a lot of time by myself and just kind of understanding who I was, what I was interested in. I also was able to kind of get this sense of reality that you know on the west coast i was presented as a black woman unlike i was in new york in new york automatically people were like what are you are you dominican are you ethiopian are you like they was just asking all types of things i'm like no i'm black and mexican and they still do not believe me you know but when i went to la because of similar to detroit the racial relations out there are everything was very segregated every neighborhood had its own you know community um and there wasn't a lot of blending so I just found it really difficult because I was like dang I just came from New York it's like a melting pot and now I'm back in like a similar environment to what I grew up in and I really didn't like that you know so I ended up um coming up with the ideal for Yo Soy and like I said it was kind of just a passion project because I had nothing else to do I didn't I wasn't out in these streets you know I was <laughs> in the house really for the most part so I was just like you know I want to originally I was like I want to create an Instagram on um, where I can connect with other Afro-Latinas like I knew that there were more out there because of my experience in New York and like coming across so many but I wasn't able to really. You know connect with them and cultivate a community at the time because I wasn't in New York that long so I um when I ended up moving back to New York from LA back in 2017 I was like okay I'm going to take this ideal that I've been sitting on and I'm really going to do it so I came out with some pieces that I felt were like really like intentional pieces you know they were hats um t-shirts and mugs so all things that I was either rocking or wearing or using at the office, you know, something that I could relate to, and all these pieces had phrases that, you know, if you were Afro-Latino, you could relate to, so I had, like, pelo bueno, I had tengo, uh, tengo risas, I had, um, Mm. I had totes, you know, I had all types of things, just phrases that like I said, if you were part of the community, you'd be like, Oh, I've I've heard this before, but I haven't heard it in this positive connotation, you know. Like yeah, it's yeah. like I was taking it and I was putting a spin on it. Instead of bad hair, I'd be like, No, we got good hair. You know what I'm saying? Like Pelo Bueno. So mm-hmm. I just did stuff like that. I put it on um, our Instagram at the time. I think I had like 30-some followers because it was, you know, just my friends following me at the time. And, you know, people started slowly hearing about us. I was putting hashtags so people was hearing about us they were buying my merch and I was like oh shoot like this is really a thing you know and then when I realized that there were so many afro-latinas outside of New York who were buying my merch like Texas and um Indiana and even like down south like you know Atlanta I was just like hold up like we are everywhere you know I was like what did that
1: what did that that feel like for someone that grew up not necessarily seeing a lot of people that look like them if for somebody to create a brand around Afro-Latinidad and for so many people to relate to it. Like, what did that
0: feel like? Uh, yeah, um, it felt, it, I mean, it just felt really crazy. I was just blown away, to be honest. I was, I was shook, you know what I mean? I really was just <laughs> like, wow, we're really out here. And then I think what was crazy to me is like, I started through the community that was coming to me, I started learning through them. You know, I didn't realize, like, oh, there's Afro-Panamanians, there's, you know, Afro-Hondurans, there's, you know, Garifunia is a thing. I didn't know what that was until these girls were following Yo Soy, and I would click on their page, and I'm like, oh, wait, what is going on? You know, I was just, like, putting two and two together. I was like, oh, shoot, like, you're Afro-Latino, too. So, it was, I think it was just like an eye opening experience. It was it was almost like a catalyst. Like I just feel like my world just expanded. It was just like boom, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was beautiful. I mean, even to this day, I'm always shook when I when I see another state that I've never seen before on our order list, and I'm like, oh wait, there's Afro Latinas in Alaska? Like what? Um. So yeah, it's it's beautiful though.
1: Yo, one of the wild things you just said, which to me sounded wild, but. For you, you're probably like just whatever. Yo, you what did it feel like the first day where you wore one of your T-shirts? You said you had your mugs at work too?
0: Yeah, I had my mugs. Um, I was wearing everything. I was just, I don't know why. I was just so unapologetic about it and nobody was saying anything. So there was a couple people at work that'd be like, oh, that's really cute. Like, where's that mug from? You know, thinking that I bought it Mm. over the weekend at some shop or whatever. And I'd be yeah. like, oh, no, this is, this is my brand. And they're like, oh, okay. And, you know, they would come back around and be like, what's your brand again? And then I would see that they ordered something. Um, and I just, again, I thought it was so beautiful because I'm like, wow, I really did create these products for me simply, you know, just to embrace my heritage. Like, I created this yeah. because I love mugs. I love coffee in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Cafe is just such a part of our <laughs> culture con yeah. leche in particular, so it's just like, you know, why not create a mug that I'm sure other people can relate to, you know, and and it just kind of caught fire. And even the t-shirts, I was like, okay, I think this is cute, but if it's not, then they won't buy it. But if it is cute, then they will. And that's kind of what I did. I feel like that's kind of the approach I take now. Is like, you know, I do a little field research to see what I think is cute and what's popping out there in our community. Um, And then I just put it out there. If I like it, you know, hopefully other people will Um, usually they do. And if they don't like it, then I just take it down. So um, I, I like to pride myself in making products, you know, by our community and for our community. Um, So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. No, that's, (laughs) that's dope. Cause I I sometimes, it's funny because there's always that question on Monday morning. It's like, oh, how was your weekend? You know, what did you do? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I remember when I first launched my brand, which is only last year. So it's it's relatively young compared to yours. Really?
0: I thought you've been around for a few years now.
1: What? I'm flattered. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) I swear. I swear I thought you've been around for a minute. That's dope.
1: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I'll take that as a positive. Um, Yes.
0: No, that's amazing. (laughs) Seriously
1: no nah, thank you yeah so i launched last year but i remember um i used to be so insecure about it um mm-hmm. like i just like i didn't even want i didn't even want to say like oh yeah i was working on like editing a podcast episode because i didn't want to like in my head like the story that i was telling myself was like oh they're gonna be like oh Pabell's work on this little latino thing ha <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean
0: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah they,
1: they didn't really get it and even to this day like i feel Cause I post a lot of clips and um I post all the episodes on LinkedIn as well. Right. And we,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for example, like I posted, I posted a quote the other day, which is really how I felt. I was like, I wish white people would fake it as much as we do at work, something like that. And I was right. like, yo, should I post that? Um But like, besides the quotes, even like some of the shirts that I make, or even like some of the shirts you make, like it's a statement, you know, and it's, it's a prideful statement, right? It's not like yeah. hating someone else. It's more so like taking pride in, in who you are and trying to open up a conversation but um
0: yeah yeah and to it's this bold, day I'm like too.
1: still pretty insecure about it do you go through some of those no. thought processes
0: as well I mean probably not so much anymore um yeah. but I definitely I mean I I do keep you know my business and my brand separate from work so it's kind of funny because mm-hmm. like Like you said, you know, you can have an interview or maybe you can have something go viral or whatever on Instagram, and you'll walk in or you'll log on to Zoom and they'll be like, How was your weekend? I'm like, Oh, so good. You know, I was just hanging out, you know, and it's not until somebody will be like, Bianca, I saw your article about Yo Soy. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah, that happened, you know, but I just had to, (laughs) I just, I don't know why. I feel like I kept it hush hush because I didn't want that to. One, I wasn't sure, working in a predominantly white space, I wasn't sure how they would react, that's one. Two, I was, as Yo Soy was like really kind of growing, um, I was in the midst of transitioning to a more senior role, and I didn't want the company, well, my current role, I didn't want them to be like, oh, she's distracted, or, you know, she's juggling too much, you know, so I've always kept it hush, 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 but not in the sense of being insecure, more in the sense of being strategic, and also recognizing, like, yeah, it's 2021, but, like, I'm still a Black woman in corporate America, so, like, I still need to be very, um, you know, mindful of how I move, because I don't, I don't know if, you know, I just, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what these CEOs and these higher up I don't know what they're talking about and I'm not trying to be on anybody's radar you know I'm just trying to mind my business and like have an impact on my community um so yeah I've just been mindful with with that and I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing um but it's been working out for me now so I think Um, I'm just gonna stick to it (laughs)
1: As long as it's working out for you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm obviously not here to say like, Oh, this is right. Or this is wrong. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's working yeah. out for you. And, and I totally understand that. I mean, I always think it's so interesting because you know, every company, they're like, Oh yeah, we value work-life balance. And I always see, I always see parents. And again, I'm not a parent. So like, I get it. I don't have that perspective, but um, there are certain things that you're like, Oh, I have to leave work early, or Like I have like, I have this, they're putting their boundaries up you know what I mean like I have to do this after after work I have to go to recital or whatever I feel like that always gets a pass but like I can't say that about like yo I got a podcast interview you know what I mean like some things get valued above others and I get it like Mm -hmm. one is a whole human life (laughs) compared to like
0: (laughs) you know a side business but like
1: (laughs) yeah but I I think there are other things that as, as well though just that just get prioritized whereas like us whether it be like our side projects or um our erg work you know what i mean in in, in some spaces like it doesn't get prioritized as much um
0: right no there's so many things there's so
1: many oh go for go ahead no 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 go for it no
0: i was gonna say yeah like to to your point um i feel like the respect necessarily i feel like the respect is not there at least what i've noticed is just like you know unless it's a a podcast that is you know on you know, Apple playlist, and everybody's talking about it, like, Super Soul Sunday, or whatever, like, Oprah, you know, they don't, to them, to corporate America, they're, like, oh, it's just a small little thing, you know, but to us, we're, like, no, this is big in our community, like, we are amplifying voices, we are bringing people together, we are, you know, representing our culture, and, you know, that's really important to me, so, I try to keep that very, you know, like I was saying, I try to keep it separate just because it's so sacred to me. And, you know, we work really hard to build this up and we don't want other people to, I don't know, we, I just don't want anybody to touch what, what we built. You know, I'm not trying to, we've worked really hard and I'm not trying to um, have it jeopardized just because somebody is, intimidated that I have a nine-to-five, and I also have a brand, you know, Um, and it's easy to come across that, especially being young, black, and brown um, professionals, you know, it's to somebody who maybe has been in the game for 40 years, who does not have that, it could be intimidating to them, so, you know, I'm just very particular on how I move, because, like I said, I'm just minding my business, like, what I do does not have to affect you, you know what I'm saying, so,
1: I get it. They don't, they don't know, yeah. they don't know that they're working with a celebrity. Got stories on Adweek <laughs> and Oprah. No, com. not a celebrity. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, yeah. I I, <laughs> I, I, know we're at time. So I finished with this, with this last question. First of all, thank you so much. Cause I think you're, you're redefining and helping to redefine professionalism on so, on so many levels, right? Like even you, like in these corporate right. spaces, you bring in your most authentic self, like, what you may or may not realize is that someone is looking at you and saying, yo, I could, I could, I could wear my hair natural. I could dress the way she dresses because Bianca's doing it. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think that's dope, but not only that, but you're doing so much work outside of the outside of work where people have something tangible to walk around with and say like, this is who I am. So I think you're redefining it professionalism in so many ways, but I'll leave you with this last question. You know, when, when you continue to, Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) when you continue to look forward, like what's one thing that continues to empower and inspire you to continue being your most authentic self, you know, despite the environment?
0: Yeah, I, I would say, you know, definitely my community. Like, you know, I've been able and fortunate to connect with other like young women and young girls who are, you know, at the intersection of so many different identities like myself. And I really do get inspired by them. Like. You know they could literally send me a dm and be like oh my god i love my mug like i love what you're doing and i'm like oh my god thank you girl like i love that you love my stuff you know like it just it really fuels me um and i don't know i don't know why i don't have like a particular answer but to me i'm just it, it empowers me to see my community empowered you know what i mean i feel like we. I think this is the last generation that is going to feel in particular our generation like millennials. It's going to be the last generation that is ever going to feel a sense of like, oh, I need to assimilate or oh, I'm feeling oppressed because I can't wear my hair natural like no, 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 we're not doing that. And I feel like Gen Z has really um, you know, they're they've really come into this I guess environment the society and just been like oh we are not here for it. We are not doing it. This is racist. We're not here for the microaggressions and that empowers me to be like okay, we're going to keep being our our, you know, authentic self, we're gonna keep pushing forward, we're gonna keep educating, and we're gonna keep being who we are. And people may not understand, but they're surely not gonna tell us, like, oh, you need to change, or you need to not wear that anymore. Like, we're just, we're not here for it. And, you know, when I see these young girls wearing my merch, or young women wearing my merch, it just it empowers me to keep going because I'm like, okay, I'm doing something right. you know, i I'm doing something right because they now feel empowered to keep going and they're gonna tell their friends to keep going and they're gonna tell their you know their cousins or whoever to you know wear their hair natural. I just think it's a trickle effect. you know, I think it's um it's really like a domino effect, and it it only starts with one person. But if we continue to go forward, I really think we could change like a whole community, you know.